Well, hello and welcome to Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialise in helping organisations get the most from their virtual teams through helping them to understand how their team members interact. This is episode number 14, and today we're going to be sharing some tips for team building in virtual teams both team building virtually and team building face-to-face, and talking also about why team building matters. As with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying blog article on the All Fire website, so please do feel free to check it out and uh, have a look see what we're up to. Thank you. So team building for virtual teams. This is uh, this is an area that comes up a great deal in conversations, in meetings, in client presentations and so forth. Companies and businesses really do struggle sometimes to understand how they should do their virtual team team building, why it matters, when they should get people together face to face, when they should do things remotely, how they should do them and really just what the value of the whole team building process is. So we're going to try and unpack a few a few areas of that during this uh, this particular podcast, and hopefully it will shed a bit of light on some of the some of the areas. I guess to start off, virtual teams come in all sorts of sizes. There's large teams and small teams. There's complex teams and simple teams. There's teams where everybody is located within one city, and there's teams where everybody is located individually, scattered all over the planet. So each team comes with its own sets of challenges and each set of challenges need to be treated individually and each project and each team needs to be um, needs to be balanced in terms of how much you're prepared to spend both in terms of time and in terms of money. And money, of course, there are often limited budgets for team building. There's often also a limited time frame in which to do the team building before before the work actually has to get started. But firstly, why does it matter? Um, If people don't know one another, they're less inclined to act in a supportive way. It's like working with a friend. If you've you've got friends and colleagues that you work with in an organisation, those are the people that you will generally look out for far more than someone who is just a name, who's a new person in the organisation, or who's someone who you may have come across but you've never really dealt with them, you don't quite know what they do, you don't really understand what their, what their drivers are. So the, the process of team building is to take a disparate group of people who have to work together and make them, give them the opportunities to start to build a relationship and to build a level of trust that moves them from being a group of complete strangers to being a group of at least acquaintances and ultimately, you want them to get to the point where they have a very strong, very trusting bond, where they will have each other's backs, where they look after each other, where they'll make sure that, that they're not just working together because they have to, but they're working together because they're working for a common good, and they can help each other along the way to do a better job for the organisation and for themselves. 
And without effective team building, you really just have a group of people who are working together. And that is quite a difference. So you need you need at least some team building and some points within your business and within your organization to get the best value from the people that are working there. So there are two ways in which team building can be undertaken. One, the most beneficial, the most effective is to do your team building face to face. Now, for many, many businesses and for many projects to undertake face-to-face team building for every employee and for every participant is simply unachievable. There will be too many people, they'll be located in too many different locations and it's just simply too hard to get them all together in one place or in a couple of places to, to start to build a team. So you need to, firstly, you need to think about who needs to be there for the face-to-face team building when you're bringing your virtual team participants together and also then how you can roll that virtual team face-to-face into being an effective um, network and how the people that attend the face-to-face network building can then bring that back to their remote offices to do some remote team building as well. So the first things that we would recommend, in fact, the three things that we would recommend for uh, for face-to-face team building exercises, firstly would be to build in some cultural sensitivity training. Now, this is particularly important when your team is spread across national and cultural boundaries, but it can also apply if you're working in one country, but where you have noted different cultures between different locations. Perhaps different offices have different internal cultures. Perhaps different regions within a country will have different cultural approaches to things. Either way, you need to you need to give people an opportunity to understand how each of their cultures function. And we've talked a lot in the Old Fire website and on, on our other podcasts about cultural sensitivities and cultural training. It's something which can never be overstated. It's something which is absolutely critical within the the functioning of a virtual team, that people understand that not everybody's culture is the same as their own and that that all different cultures are valuable in their own ways. There is no such thing as good or bad in cultures. They're just simply different. And that's what people need to start to to understand. And for many people, the first time they work face-to-face may be the first time that they actually work with people from a different culture. So it's a, it can, for some people, be quite a, a new and confronting experience. So the second point that we would make is, if you bring people together for a face-to-face team building exercise, make a little extra time for them to spend some time to socialise, to go out and to, to, even if it's just sitting over a cup of coffee or a glass of water in the kitchen, going for a walk on a lunchtime, eating their lunches together, spending a little time together on an evening, whatever it is, allow people to have a little bit of extra time so that they can build not just a work bond, but also a social bond. And this is quite important in in many ways because often businesses will bring people together for face-to-face team building, where in fact the exercise is a project planning event where people are there to do technical work and not necessarily to do team building work. So that team building tends to happen sometimes then outside of the formal meetings. But allowing that little bit of extra time, if you've already paid for people to travel to come together in one place, a little bit of extra time in terms of another night's accommodation or 
uh, or whatever really makes very little difference to the overall costs to your to your budget but it can make a huge difference as far as payback for the productivity of the people once they've built that little bit of a stronger relationship together. The third one is if you're bringing people together for a purely social team building exercise, then allow them some time to do some work activities. Let them sit together and do some planning, understand how they're going to coordinate their work, understand how different offices function and how different offices work together. Because again, if they're there for social, they need to spend some time thinking about the work that they're going to be working on together. So it's it's a case of doing both and making sure that enough time and enough support is allowed to do both. We would also, of course, suggest that you have some external facilitation for the face-to-face team building exercise. It's a very large investment for many businesses and to spend a little bit of extra money to have somebody come in, even if it's just to facilitate one session, just to break the ice. Because often if you have an internal person doing that, that person will come with their own perceived power structures within the organisation. So sometimes it's not as effective to use, say, a project manager or a business stream leader to, to, to run a team building session where you want people to talk openly about what's happening in the business. Sometimes you need that person to actually leave the room and then to have someone who is external, who can facilitate the workshop, who can then take that feedback and build it back into the overall business. So that's face-to-face team building. The second half is how do you build a remote team when your team building is only undertaken remotely? Now, this is quite a different uh, set of challenges that comes with this. If people are separated geographically and are not actually going to meet face-to-face, you need to take quite a different approach in terms of how you do things. The first thing we would suggest is that you need to identify the key participants in your interfacing between locations. Some of these will be technical people, some of them will be leadership and management people, but you need to identify both sides of them and you need to put them in a, in a, in a, um, in a separate system for team building because their relationships will be far more critical to the outcome of the work than people who will re- work remotely but will not necessarily need to interface with one another. So those people who are going to be working regularly across those boundaries, they are the ones that need to be uh, given as much support as possible in cultural sensitivity, in communication skills, in what tools to use when, how to use them, when to use them, how to be an effective communicator. Also, things like they need to be aware that they need to have very strong uh, comfort as far as dealing with ambiguity. They need to be very happy that they're not going to overreact when they misread something in an email. An email maybe comes to them and it's it looks a little bit inflammatory. They need to be uh, coached so that when they read these sorts of things, they don't react by sending something as a, as a guttural response. They need to take it offline, maybe have a telephone conversation with the sender, just make sure that they fully understand what's going on and not allow these sorts of miscommunications to get in the way of building a solid team. The people then who are going to be these key points of interface, as we refer to them in the article, they need to be given access to the best, deep and most well-planned team building activities that you can conceive. Um, They need to be, um, these 
these activities ideally need to be run across video conference so that they can not just hear each other's voices but they can see each other. They also need to be aware that it will take them longer to build their relationships and it will be a slower process to get their relationships together. And they need to be comfortable, as we've just stated earlier, in some of the in dealing with some of the hiccups that will come along as they build their relationships. Now, from a business perspective, it's very important that once these people are in place and that they have their relationships there and built, that they are supported to stay in situ. It's no good to have someone go in, build a relationship with a network of, of people in other offices and then move them to another role every every few months. That continual churn will mean that every time somebody changes in that network, you need to go through and rebuild not just the new person's relationship to the team, but the entire team's relationships to one another. Because one person changing will change the whole dynamic of the whole communications network. So the impact of not building a team can be very, very dramatic. Uh, there is research out there that says that, that there is a difference of somewhere around about 30% in terms of project outcomes, for instance, between having an effective communications network and an ineffective communications network. Now, if you apply that to some of the very, very large projects that are undertaken by virtual teams, you can start to get into some very large values in terms of money, and you can also start to get into some very large uh, values in terms of time, both of which can have a massive impact on the bottom line for a business. Consequently, we would really recommend that investing a little bit of money or what may seem like a lot of money sometimes, but investing money strategically in the early days of a project to build a solid relationship and to build a virtual team where people can communicate openly, comfortably, have each other's backs, support one another, will pay off many, many, many times over as the project runs. It's an investment in the future rather than a, a set of lost monies. And that investment is something that you should be able to see a substantial payback on as the project runs and as your business builds. So hopefully this podcast has been of interest and there's been a few art- few items in here that will have been that will have stirred up some um, some thoughts. Uh, we really do love to hear back from you, so please do feel free to leave contact com- comments on the Ulfire website or on the iTunes site. Um, or to get in touch with us through any of the other social media platforms that we uh, that we sit on. If you have enjoyed it, please do pop over to the Ulfire website, which is at www.ulfire.com.au. Feel free while you're there to subscribe to our podcast feed, to subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter, which includes uh, updates on new articles and links to articles that uh, that we come across across the internet. And uh, we very much look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thank you.